We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, coming to you one day late. Sorry about the technical difficulties. I had a power outage last night. Did not come back till 1.30 a.m. my time, three hours later than they initially estimated. How you doing, Justin? California, the state that's always sinking, I think that's is what true. they call it. Earthquakes fires and now power outages i mean what's next the worst thing i have to deal with is bears and it's really not that big of a deal once you house train them with that said i am doing well it is wednesday afternoon as you said and uh we've got some things to talk about i know it's the off season i know it's a little slower but i do think we have some things to discuss you know go over the super bowl a little bit how far away the titans are maybe uh, from those two teams and maybe a general overview on the, on the state of this roster and what the offseason could look like. I agree. We are going to talk about what we learned a little bit, maybe from this year's Super Bowl champion, what the Titans need to do to get there themselves. And yeah, overlook overview of the roster. I was at that Super Bowl and it was quite a fun time. The halftime show was amazing. However, the stage was facing the other side of the stadium. So instead of seeing the inside of these cool houses or whatever the heck you guys saw on TV, I just saw like the back of a set, like plain white walls. Didn't even see 50 Cent hanging upside down. (laughs) But it was a fun experience overall. It was a great halftime show. I I mean, I don't care what anyone says. I'm actually a a pretty big uh, fan of, of their music. So I thought it was really, really good. I thought they were all terrific. I agree. They killed it. That was maybe that best halftime show in a long time, I, I think. Definitely up but there. Let's get into all this stuff. So the Rams, the Rams are Super Bowl champions. What does that mean? Does that mean that the Titans are actually Super Bowl champions by the transitive property since they <laughs> beat the Rams in SoFi already once this year? Dominated I think them. They dominated. I think maybe we just give the ring to the Titans. Like, let's be I mean, real they, here. Without Derrick Henry, they dominated too. Right. So. Maybe the Titans would have beat the Bengals without Derrick Henry. Hot take. Hot take. Titans beat oh, the Bengals without Derrick Henry oh, because we're not going to, we're not going to, I'm not going to hijack this episode rely. of this conversation. They just relied on him too much. I think he wasn't ready for that. Anyway, it doesn't hot matter. Take, hot take. Yeah. Titans beat the Cincinnati Bengals. If Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw three interceptions, not a that, hot take, an actual fact. That one's scorching. I'm, I feel, <laughs> do you want some ice? You're on fire there. I might need, I might start jumping to the Carson Wentz. The Titans takes next. We'll see what I got in. <laughs> Yeah, talking about terrible takes. Carson Wentz to the Titans. There's a report out there via Buck Rising that Harold Landry wants to be the highest paid player in his position room. Newsflash, every superstar or player who thinks they're a superstar wants to be the highest paid player in their position room. We'll see how that shakes out. The franchise tag is still an option for Harold Landry. We'll discuss the roster in a bit. First, let's talk about the Super Bowl takeaways because we were debating about this a little bit in the group chat, and I think we actually are fall on different sides of this coin here. When the quarterbacks of the game do not win Super Bowl MVP, what does that mean? The receiver who won, Cooper Cup, two touchdowns, incredible drive to seal the game, didn't even have 100 yards receiving, win Super Bowl MVP, still don't give it to a quarterback. 
Honestly, I feel better about the Titans' chances to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill after watching this playoff run than I did before because you got guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen who have one of the most epic playoff showdowns we've ever seen, and neither of them even make it to the Super Bowl. How much does the great quarterback really help you when it comes down to like having a great versus having a great team or having the right moment, like catching fire and being hot at the right time, I think is more important than just having the best quarterback. Mahomes was the best quarterback last year, maybe arguably, and lost to Tom Brady because his offensive line couldn't protect him. This year, Joe Burrow has got all this hype, but really when you look at the numbers, like how well did Joe Burrow really play throughout the playoff run? How much was it Cincinnati's defense? tipping balls and actually catching those interceptions as opposed to those plays falling incomplete, forcing those kind of fluky turnovers. Where do you land on all this? I think you make some good points. Like I I don't think Joe Burrow was dynamic throughout the postseason. I thought he was pretty damn good, but he, it wasn't what we saw from Allen and Mahomes. Situationally very good, but like not just like, he's not dominant. He didn't single-handedly take over football games, right? I think it's probably the best way to put it. And that's fine. And and I I think you also make a good point where the best quarterbacks were sitting at home, right? Patrick Mahomes was at home. Josh Allen was at home. Hell, I would even extend that to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So I've obviously had terrific seasons, uh, uh, you know, MVP winning season for Aaron Rodgers and a MVP worthy season for Tom Brady. I thought he was deserving of, of getting a couple votes and both of them were sitting at home. Mind you, it was Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams that sent Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers home. Um, I can see those points. Um, at the same time, I think the Rams represent somewhat of an anomaly. And I don't think it makes me feel that much better about the Titans because they've been so aggressive building this roster. Right? They haven't made a first-round pick since they drafted Jared Goff. There's always that running joke that they did that and they said, let's never do this again. We're never going to make a first. <laughs> and they won't make another one, I think, until 2024 is the next time they're scheduled to make one, right? They've traded those picks for Jalen Ramsey. They've traded those picks for uh, um, Matthew Stafford, of course. They traded those picks for Von Miller, right? So they've been, you know, Les Snead and that front office has been so aggressive building this roster that I, I don't know that it makes me feel much better about the Titans. With that said, um, I think John Robinson's been aggressive. Don't get me wrong, right? Like the acquisitions, even dating a, a year or two ago, going to get Jadavion Clowney and Vic Beasley on one-year contracts, even though they backfired, they were aggressive decisions. Trading for Julio Jones was an extremely aggressive decision. So John Robinson has taken his swings, uh, you know, trying to hit the ball out of the park here with some really aggressive moves. But I, I still think the Rams are kind of on their own when it comes to the level of aggression that they've shown uh, that Agreed. Les Need has shown. And, and I also think, and, and I don't know if this is recency bias creeping into my conversation or, or my thought process here, but I've always felt that Matthew Stafford uh, is probably a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And I know Stafford can run hot and cold at times as well, but let's not forget how well he was playing towards the beginning of the season. I remember sitting in a, in a, uh, a, a conversation with my draft network colleagues, I think it was maybe week seven, week eight or week nine, where I think it was the expected EPA. Matthew Stafford was like up here and every other quarterback was down here. I remember having that conversation. Like, Matthew Stafford might win MVP. Like that was a conversation that I had with my colleagues. And I actually tweeted when Matthew Stafford threw that pick six in the Titans game, the horrible 
play. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a pick six. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, he threw a pick six, but the uh, David Long interception that Talk wasn't about, a yeah, pick six. Yeah, because the Kevin Byler interception wasn't a bad throw. It was a great play by Byler. Right. The David Long one was a horrific. It was a Carson Wentz-like throw. <laughs> I tweeted, OMG, the Carson Wentz special from MVP candidate Matthew Stafford. So at that time, yes. he was running away with MVP. It was right around that time. I, I, I can't remember what metric it is, but I'm pretty sure it was his EPA. It was significantly higher than like every other quarterback in the NFL. Like there was right. a graph on Twitter and he was up here. Everyone else was well below him. So, and then the second half came and he wasn't great down the stretch of the second half. You kind of saw some ill-advised throws like the one in that Titans game and he disappeared from the MVP conversation altogether. So the facts are the facts and we're, we're trying to be fair here. Um, but with that said, I, I always have thought that he's a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And I think it's a little misleading to say, and you didn't say this exactly, but a little misleading to think, oh, like they just won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford who didn't put in an MVP worthy performance in the Super Bowl. The Titans can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. The Titans can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. Let me be clear. The San Francisco 49ers have almost won one twice with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, uh, and you saw, uh, and you saw the way that they, they got to those paths, one to the Super Bowl versus Kansas city. And this year uh, defeating green Bay in the divisional round, the same round the Titans lost in Titans can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill if a lot of other things go right. Running the football, playing defense, playing great special teams. Heck, 49ers blocked kicks, punts, whatever against Green Bay, and that's what it took to beat Aaron Rodgers. And a historic defensive performance that held the MVP Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and company to 10 points. Like, that's probably what it's going to take for the Titans to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. The thing is, I think the argument that Stafford and Tannehill are very similar quarterbacks has more legs than you're giving it credit for. Because if you just look, just statistically speaking, since Tannehill took over in 2019, number one, he leads the NFL in game-winning touchdown drives. So this idea that like Stafford put the team on his back at the end of that Super Bowl and drove them down and hit Cooper Cup, I think five times on one drive to get the game-winning touchdown, including two defensive penalties, one of which was very questionable. I don't know that Tannehill couldn't do the same thing. Now, Tannehill has never done anything like that in the playoffs. I agree. But, like, it's a very small sample size. We're talking about four or five games, right? Against, obviously, you're always going to see a good defense in the playoffs. But with game plans that we have questioned through and through as a fan base after the fact, including the Chiefs' loss in 2019, where it was like, why are they just, like, so consistently giving the ball to Derrick Henry when it's not working and refusing to target AJ Brown in clutch moments. Wes from Broadway sports would get what well, he he'll appreciate the shout out here, target AJ Brown more in the fourth quarter, but Tannehill's numbers, EPA, you talk about EPA, Tannehill led the NFL in the EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite score that Ben Baldwin is a huge fan of. Like the EPA plus CPOE, Tannehill was number one in 2020. Tannehill has some of the best passing stats from 2019 through 2020. Obviously, 2021 was not a great year for him. Stafford is prone to throwing those horrible, random, fluky, what the heck are you doing interceptions? He threw two he in the twice. Super Bowl. He yeah. Twice, yeah. So, I mean, he didn't throw a third, like, I guess if Stafford throws, if Stafford has a tipped pass on that potential game-winning drive that lands in the arms of a Bengals defender, we're sitting here talking about Stafford pulled a Tannehill. So yes. I think that they are closer than people maybe give them credit for now that Stafford is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback and like people are talking about him being a Hall of Fame guy now, which is a little much for me to take in. Premature. Right? I actually wrote that today for the Draft Network. <laughs> there you go. It's a little premature, yeah. But I don't think they're as far apart, maybe. I think... I I, I think two counterpoints I'll quickly make, and I think we can probably move on from this, sure. but 
two counterpoints I'll quickly make is saying, oh, if Stafford throws a third interception that's tipped into the air and caught, I think it's slightly taking away from the fact that Tannehill's third interception, while it was that it was a terrible read and throw, right? Like it was, yeah, it was tipped into the air, but it was targeting your fourth receiver or whatever, Nick Westbrook, Akine and triple coverage when you had Ferkser around the sticks and you had a running back in the flat, like it was a really sure. bad throw. So let's not take away from that number. All three of his interceptions were bad throws. Let's not take away from that. And secondly, the disp- you talk about the stats, yada, yada, the disparity between regular season Tannehill and playoff Tannehill is the problem. And you're right. It has been a small sample size and maybe he'll get it right at some point. But as of now, in the last two playoff losses, which they've both been one and done, and they both occurred at home in their first playoff game, uh, each time the season ended on Ryan Tannehill interceptions, right? They ended with the Baltimore Ravens targeting Khalif Raymond. And yes, Khalif slipped on the play. I don't think it was pass interference, not to revisit that conversation. Khalif fell down on the play. And secondly, the one targeting Nick Westbrook-Akine in triple coverage that gets batted into the air. The season has ended on Ryan Tannehill interceptions twice, prematurely at home, first game as division winners. Whereas the Rams, Matthew Stafford gets the ball back in the Super Bowl and goes down and has his big moment, right? Like, and let's not forget, he had big moments leading up to this. Yeah, you know, they blew out the Arizona Cardinals in round one. They put up 34 points, right, against a division rival. The Titans haven't put up 20 points in their last two playoff losses. And then talk, what about the game against Tampa Bay? Tom Brady ties the game with a minute left. Matthew Stafford gets the ball back. Yes, it was a bad defensive play call by Todd Bowles. Uh, I, I think they ran cover zero. I think it was. Yeah, they, left, they put uh, the middle of the field completely, one. you know, uh, wide open and 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 uh, allowed uh, Stafford to target Cooper Cup down the field. But he made that play, right? Like he, like, he, he has did. made he made he huge plays throughout this postseason. They won four games, and and, and you know they didn't have a bye, and and they went on the road. So it's like it's there's you know right now the gap is pretty sizable at least based on postseason stuff and i know stafford, stafford so I'm had to, i i know had, i know he, he, he had no the Detroit lions like they're just he had no postseason success before he was only three season. right they didn't yes. play and I, I looked it up today 2011 2014 2016 three sporadic playoff appearances came several years apart they that lost was to the, the cowboys deep. In a game where there was penalties galore that were not called, it was horribly officiated. I don't, I don't even rem- I don't remember any of the details. That was Lions the death caught it year. The Cowboys beat the Lions in the in the wild card round. The refs, everyone was like, the Cowboys got bailed out, and then the Cowboys go the next week and lose to the Packers with the Dez caught it, and they were like, oh, now the refs don't like the Cowboys. Oh, if only this had happened for the Lions. I just like I. Like when you're now that he's won a Super Bowl in this environment with the Los Angeles Rams, I think we can comfortably look back at the Matthew Stafford Detroit Lions era and say it was the Lions, it wasn't Stafford. You know what I mean? We were kind of uh, placing blame, right, on, on who to place blame. It was the Lions, not Stafford, right? And the Lions are the Lions for a reason. So I, I just feel that. I agree he wasn't lights out and he wasn't, you know, dynamic, yada, yada. But I still think there's a sizable gap from what Matthew Stafford showed in this postseason run than what Ryan Tannehill has ever showed in the playoffs with the Tennessee Titans. Tannehill's got to put put it together in the postseason. He had a good game against the Baltimore Ravens in a game where he wasn't asked, not 2020, but in 2019, in a game where he was not asked to do a whole lot. He had a good first half and then let King Henry take over. When he's asked to not carry the load, right? That's kind of what it comes back to. Whereas like, and and again, I think we're ready to move on from this conversation, but even the Rams getting the ball back there at the end, 
I don't know that I have any faith in Tannehill to lead that drive there at the end when he's had a couple chances to do so lately, right? He had a chance against Cincinnati, had a chance against Baltimore the year before. Like, leads I, the NFL, again, I, I think there's a pretty leads the NFL play. in game winning drives since since 2019. But since again, he took over as regular a season Ryan Tannehill has For not sure. been playoff Ryan Tannehill. And uh, at least this year, I mean, this year it kind of was, but at least in 2019, <laughs> in a bad way, in 2019, it was not. Uh, yeah. And that's not a great sign. Like, again, I, I think they can win with him, but also then what does this do to the offseason conversation we're about to get into? You better go out and surround him. Like the Rams went out and Absolutely. They, have, they got Odell Beckham Jr. And, and, and they, and credit them. They lost Robert Woods, right? Everyone forgets about Robert Woods. who's a hell of a freaking NFL receiver. Right. And they lost Odell in the first quarter of the Super Bowl, Right. You can argue that receiver corpse really isn't all that good. Right. Van Jefferson is, is a good player, but he's a receiver three. He's not a receiver two. way too many Ben Skoronek snaps for anyone's liking. Ben Skoronek yeah. is not better than Nick Westbrook. I, I like Nick Westbrook Akine better than I like yeah. Ben Skoronek. Well, that and guy they caused one of Skoronek on crucial downs. And that Skoronek, uh, I have to look back at that pass, but the, the tipped interception was kind of his fault as well, right? I, I don't, think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember thinking it was a horrible throw. Like, Skoronek could have done better on that uh, on that ball. So, uh, they, they, yeah, they surrounded him with a lot of weapons, but, man, he also got it done there at the end while, while they lost a lot. They also lost tight end Tyler Higby too, right? Like, Right, yeah. I think that is a good segue into our next bit of conversation here which is how far are the titans what can this roster become next season in order to get them closer and i want to start here by comparing the titans roster to the rams because i actually think there are a lot more similarities than you might think just looking at it on the surface we've covered the stafford Tannehill comparisons i think wherever you fall on that you can at least acknowledge that they are somewhat in this they're in the same tier i think of nfl quarterback the Titans acquired Tannehill via trade, just like the Rams did with their star quarterback, a guy who was in a bad city, in a bad organization, struggling to really put it together, comes to his new team and excels. Now, we know Tannehill didn't have the best 2021 season, but look to get back on track in 2022 with offensive assistant Tim Kelly added to the mix to help reinvigorate the passing attack. And I also passing think coordinator. That's right. I also think there are other similarities. You got the big space eating pass rushing defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest defensive lineman of all time. Jeffrey Simmons, not on that level, but a game wrecker in his own right. Three sacks against the Bengals coming up huge in a playoff game. That's the kind of performance and player you need to anchor your defensive line. You got a stud in the secondary for the for the Rams. It's Jalen Ramsey who plays a lot of safety and corner hybrid roles. They move him around. He moves to the slot. He can cover Plays anybody. That star position they call it for them. This, exactly. You got Kevin Byard roaming the back of the Titans defense. First team All Pro safety this year. You got that stud. You have other studs on the in the secondary as well. Christian Fulton and you know you will see what Caleb Farley can become. Amani Hooker is a rising star player similar to Taylor Rapp. I think. You have players on offense. The The Rams went out and traded for Von Miller, an aging Hall of Famer. The Titans, like you said, went out and traded for Julio Jones, an aging future Hall of Famer. The Rams picked up a disgruntled player who was waived midseason by his team in Odell Beckham Jr. The Titans pick up Zach Cunningham, a disgruntled player in Houston, waived in the middle of the season, who came in and made a huge impact for the team. Odell Beckham came in, scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl before, sadly, tearing his ACL, it looks like. 
Titans have Zach Cunningham come in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's confirmed now. And Zach Cunningham comes in and leads the team in tackles for the time that he's on the team. So I think that there are a lot of like parallels between these two rosters here. If Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw a third interception and the Titans and Rams are facing off in the Super Bowl, which could have been the outcome there. That, those parallels, I think, would have been talked about all week. But yeah. anyway, and I would have felt pretty are. good about the Titans' chances heading into that yeah. matchup. But the Given problem that is that's once. awfully metaphorical. And instead of that, it they is. pissed down their own legs right at home <laughs> in the divisional round for the second. I guess not the second year in a row. The year before that was the wild card round. But yeah, for the second year in a row in their first playoff game. So, so what are we looking here? Titans roster biggest weaknesses. I don't even think it's a question. I think it's like obvious where they need to go, but it's a tough one because let's say their biggest hole is tight end, a dynamic blocking pass catching tight end who can create mismatches. It's a tough situation to have that as your biggest hole because the value at that position and especially when you don't have a Kyle Pitts generational talent and you don't have a top 10 pick to get a generational talent like that. When do you draft a tight end like that? Do you try to sign one of these free agents? Because there's a, there's a handful of, you know, serviceable, if not good, tight end free agents coming up this year. How do you attack this position? And what other weaknesses on this roster do you see the Titans trying to beef up this offseason? Well, I think you said it with tight end. I think it's the most obvious gaping hole, right? I think you need to get two uh, new tight ends. And I think they both have to be starters, right? Like, or starting caliber players. You can't run this back with a combination of, Jeff Swain and Anthony Furtzer or, or, or Michael Pruitt. I think you got to sign one and I think you got to draft one, right? And look, there are a lot of intriguing tight ends uh, in free agency, in, in, in my opinion, right? I, I look at guys like uh, even a, a Max Williams, uh, who, who, you know, was playing well with the Cardinals before he went down with his ACL. Look, the Cardinals have Max Williams and Zach Ertz both scheduled to hit free agency, right? Like they're not going to keep both of those guys in. Uh, I, I think Williams would intrigue me more being that he's a younger guy and, and, and Ertz is, you know, doesn't really block. Uh, but someone like, well, heck, I'd take a chance maybe on an OJ Howard, a Gerald Everett. Hayden Hurst in Atlanta is someone that really uh, intrigues me. You got some higher end guys, right? Dalton Schultz, Rob Gronkowski. Like there are a couple of guys here that really intrigue me that probably won't break the bank, right? Like Dalton Schultz is probably going to be expensive given the year that he just had in Dallas. But I don't know what Gronkowski's next contract looks like. Max Williams, Gerald Everett, like these are not guys that are going to get uh, huge deals. Hayden Hurst, I tell you, Hayden Hurst in Atlanta really intrigues me. I thought he was quite productive there uh, once he got to Atlanta. I, I think you got to go after a veteran like that that can play immediately. And then I think you got to look at the draft. You asked about when's the appropriate round. Well, certainly not in round one, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, the Titans pick, I think, 26th overall it is. Uh, I, I certainly am not taking a tight end at 26. It would be an, an overreach, um, a monumental overreach. I don't think there's a tight end in this class uh, that probably goes in, in round one. And, and a, a hot take for you, and I don't, know if, I don't know if it's a hot take. You said I'm full of scorchers today, but I don't think a tight end gets selected <laughs> within the first 10 to 15 picks of the second round either. Uh, I think the tight end sweet spot, as always, and this you may laugh and call this a broad um, uh, a broad, a wide range here, but I think 60 to 90 right at the end of the second uh, to the entire third round, I think is the sweet spot for tight ends. It's typically where, I mean, you look at last year where Hunter Long got drafted and uh, from Boston college, I think Titans had some interest in him where they drafted John New Smith years ago, right? Sometimes it's that 75 to 90 range, right? And I, I think even for the Titans, as big of a need as they have, I think you can wait for there, right? Uh, Trey McBride from Colorado State is probably the 
top tight end uh, on the board. I, I think, you know, he may go a little earlier than 75, but he's probably your number one tight end. Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State is a guy that I think will will greatly intrigue them because he, he is a, a great blocker, probably the best blocking tight end in the class. And he's got some ability as, as a pass catcher. I think there's a lot of untapped ability there. He's a better athlete, I think, than we sometimes give him credit for. I think we'll see that at the combine. And playing in Ohio State's offense, which was so loaded with pass catchers, I think he always didn't get to show um, how adequate of a pass catcher he is. So that's a guy I think the Titans will be really intrigued by. And then once you kind of start going down that list, there are there are some other players that I think will catch their eye. Kate Auten from Washington is someone that me and Teron Davenport of ESPN were tweeting back and forth with a couple of days ago because he's someone that really intrigues me. He's really versatile guy. Washington moves him around a lot. I think he's got decent receiving skills. I wouldn't call them high-end but he's a good pass catcher and he's definitely uh, has the ability to play in line. So Kate Otten's the kind of guy where you go out and sign a good tight end, a decent tight end that can come in and play meaningful immediate snaps for you. You pair that kind of talent with Kate Otten from Washington in round three or four. Isaiah likely from coastal Carolina is a guy that's getting a lot of love. I get he's a small school guy that had a terrific senior bowl. I was big for him to go down there and prove that he could compete against that type of competition. You look at the blocking ability on tape again, and it's uh, it's helpful right, to the evaluation. I think he's a good blocker. Um, and, and he didn't make a ton of huge plays in the passing game at times, but again, the traits are there. And he had some really big games as a pass catcher. But most importantly, the traits are, are there, and they were well on display in the senior bowl. So there are a lot of tight ends in this class that can help you, but I do think you'd be making a mistake um, if you don't sign a proven quality one in free agency as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the problem is that rookie tight ends simply don't contribute very right often. Away. Yeah. You it's look a tough at last position. year, it is a tough position. I mean, just looking at last year, some of the guys that, that Titans fans were interested in that were talked about pre draft, Tommy Trimble finishes the year with 20 catches for 180 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Brevin Jordan, 20 catches for 178 yards and on three touchdowns. Ba- on a really bad Texans team that didn't with have a no, lot of weapons. And, it, yeah. and he couldn't get on the field early in the year, Jordan. I remember right. a lot of his production came late when they were, you know, I don't want to say mailing it in, but they were obviously using the remaining of their schedule uh, to evaluate, right? Let's see what we got kind of deal. Yeah, Hunter Long, what, Hunter Long didn't do a damn thing, I don't think. I mean, he's playing and in Miami. And it was all long, well, he, 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 hurt, he hurt himself he? at some point in the year, but okay. I think he played most of the season before that happened. He had one catch for eight yards this year. <laughs> but I, I love that. You, those were the three tight ends. We were all kind of, I don't want to say banging the table for, but they were the three tight ends we thought they might draft. Right. And yeah. they didn't draft any of them and none of them did a, a damn thing. And, and uh, that tight end, you know, it's, uh, I want to move on to the next position, but tight end is a position where I think collegiate level players maybe are getting less preparation than they used to. And, and, and maybe I'm about to contradict myself because a lot of NFL tight ends nowadays, they are glorified receivers. And that's the same thing you're seeing in college. But if you are going to come into a situation like Tennessee, where they're going to ask you to block, they're going to ask you to play in line these tight ends are these collegiate tight ends are less prepared to do that in today's game than they were previously. Cause in college, they're basically glorified receivers. And for a lot of NFL teams, they're glorified receivers, but that's not what they are for the Tennessee Titans, right? They do have to come in and block. So it's going to be very tough to get a tight end in this draft. That's going to come in and start for you. I, I think you can get a good tight end too, that can help yeah. you immediately. But I, I think you need to, you need to get a tight end one through free agency as well. 
Yeah, I mean, your best case scenario is a Pat Fryermuth type deal who had 497 yeah. yards. He had seven touchdowns. He was big in the red zone, but that was on a team with a quarterback who wasn't looking to throw downfield very often, getting the ball out of his hands as fast as possible to the shortest possible option, and yeah. a lot of times that was Pat Fryermuth. Again, then you have Kyle Pitts, who you're not getting to Kyle Pitts, and no. even Kyle <laughs> Pitts only had one touchdown this year. Granted, he did he did have a thousand receiving yards, third among all tight ends in the NFL, but only one touchdown. I mean, even You're he came on kind of slow. You, you, you get in the conversation right there. He's a freaking unicorn, right? Like, yeah, there's no Kyle Pitts 100%. in this draft, and if there was, you wouldn't get him anyway. Yeah, so I think that you got to go free agency. The problem is the salary cap's pretty tight. I think we're going to see a lot of restructuring happening with this Titans off a Titans roster. John Robinson's going to do some cap gymnastics to make some numbers move around if you're interested in how all that could work zach lyons put out a great article i think it was yesterday tuesday broadwaysportsmedia.com go check that out to see what the titans can do cuts restructures extensions moving money around to create cap space if the titans don't want to break the bank in free agency i'll say right now that hayden hurst and tyler conklin are two guys that would really intrigue me Max Williams would 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 join that list, but I think he's probably going to be a bit more expensive. Max Williams, 16 catches for 193 yards, one touchdown this season. How expensive is he going to be? That's a good point. I'm a fan. That's like did, did he a not, Delaney did Walker he not type. Have a couple games where it looked like he was breaking out with the Cardinals, and then he tore his ACL, I think, and that's yeah. why they traded for Zach Ertz. But now that I'm just remembering uh, the ACL injury, probably not going to be that expensive. Max right? Williams and, would probably top my list there, and, and I would add Hayden Hurst and Tyler Conklin. And we know John Robinson loves to go after guys with torn ACLs because that's just, <laughs> just, just his MO. get that discount. <laughs> so those three for me, I yeah. would avoid the Evan Ingram's uh, David and Joku's and Zach Ertz's of the world. I'll say that. I agree with that too. I think OJ yeah, Howard's Mike intriguing. Well. I would avoid Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki's interesting as like a, like a true Anthony Ferkser upgrade. He's not yes. going to give you more in the run game. than He's Ferkser. a wide receiver. He's a better pass catcher. He's a better mismatch in the passing game than Ferkser would be, but he's not going to be an inline blocker that you're making moves with, I don't think. Mm -hmm. O.J. Howard's an intriguing name as well, someone who can block really well, who the Titans were linked to a lot pre-draft um, back when he was coming out of Alabama. What other positions, though? Because that's, that's not all we were looking at here. I know yeah. the defense was so good last year, you almost don't even – look to address it outside of like where you can find value throughout the draft where you yeah. have a best player available type of situation you can never have too many cornerbacks i think the inside linebacker group is set with david long and zach cunningham i think your defensive line you make it a priority to bring harold landry back and your defensive line from left to right Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Bud Dupree. That wasn't from left to right, but those are the four guys. Um, I think it's pretty set. What, what else are you looking yeah, at on this team? I think I'll, I'll touch on a couple of these positions quickly. I think if you bring Harold Landry back and you should, you don't have to worry about that position at all. Obviously, if you don't bring him back, I, I think you really have to worry about that position because it's a premium position on the field and you no longer have a starter, uh, a starting caliber yeah. player right now at that position. With that said, you bring him back. I don't think you worry about it at all. You keep uh, uh, bringing along Rashad Weaver, who a lot of people forget because he had that injury, but looks really good in preseason. There's a guy I'm excited about who can hopefully work as a, a rotational pass rusher next season. I don't worry about the interior at all. Of course, you're running it back with Jeffrey Simmons and Dina Coatri, but don't forget about Naquan Jones. T and TR Tart, who, in my opinion, are really good young players that deserve to play a lot of meaningful snaps. So you don't worry about the interior at all. You have Laurel Murchison there as well, who's certainly a rosterable right. player as a fourth or, or third, fourth, fifth option kind of guy. So 
I don't worry about that D-line at all as long as you get Harold Landry back. You have Rashad Weaver. You've got T.R. Tart, Naquan Jones. You have those value players already in place, also, the rotational guys. They also just signed Deshaun Hand, who was a big-time prospect coming yeah, out of Yeah, I mean, fourth-round pick four years ago hasn't done a yeah. damn thing, truthfully, so I wouldn't expect anything out of Deshaun Hand. But you've got some good players there. When I look at linebacker, all these mock drafts get the Titans a linebacker. They make no sense. What they're doing is they're looking at their free agent list, I'm being honest with you. They're seeing, they're, they see uh, Rashawn Evans. You see Jay on Brown. Oh, I know those guys. They used, they're their starters, I think, right? So they need a linebacker. Well, I get it. Those two guys are notable names. You, you may know much about the Tennessee Titans as I know about the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not faulting. No one can know everything about all 32 teams for the most part. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But Titans do not need a linebacker. David Long, Zach Cunningham uh, penciled into those starting spots. Don't forget Monty Rice was a third-round selection a year ago and actually looked pretty good when he had to play a couple of games this year. I don't think Rice was god-awful. So you have no problem bringing him back as your third rotational linebacker. I did forget about him for what it's worth. (laughs) I figured you might have because you didn't mention him there. Let's not forget Jalen Brown was a healthy scratch week 18 and Rashawn Evans was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. That tells you where these guys are valued right now. You do not need to bring them back. I do not worry about the inside linebacker position. You want to draft one in round six, seven. You want to bring in a UDFA that can maybe make team hell. If Jalen Brown and Rashawn Evans uh, free agent market is so in the toilet, you get them back on a really super cheap deal. Not opposed to that either. Either way, you do not need to make a big investment into the inside linebacker position. The quarterback position is somewhat interesting to me because it really matters what happens with Jack Rabbit Jenkins. If Jack Rabbit Jenkins is sacrificed and he's released in order for them uh, to create the additional cap space they may need elsewhere. Um, yes, you have Caleb Farley. I think you, of course, you know, you drafted him in the first round. You're hoping, expecting him to be a starter next year if you're moving on from Jack Rabbit. With that said, with his injury of histories, I think you really need to plan for that. I think uh, you need to make a shrewd signing in free agency, a guy that can come in and handle a big role on the outside if, if need be. You've got an intriguing candidate already there in Chris Jackson, who played some good football last year and played on the outside. Heck, you made a, a pretty interesting midseason acquisition in Buster Screen, right? Who came in and played good f- football for you when necessary. True. You know, I think you need to make another shrewd signing like that, maybe a bit better than that, right? Because Screen is a bit older. He's a free agent. I don't know that he's going to come yeah. back. Chris Jackson played well, but the sample size was pretty small. But I, you feel good about having a guy he's like a Jackson. Great- He's a great like reserve corner that can go out and give you good snaps if somebody is hurt. And he can play on the outside off. and he can play inside, right? Yeah. So that's why you really like Chris Jackson. You love the versatility he brings to the table. But if you're cutting Jack Rabbit, I think you need to have a better plan than well. Caleb is going to take that spot immediately. Farley, of course, that is. And if he doesn't, Jackson will step in. No, I think you need a bit of a better plan. You need to make a shrewd signing in free agency. Again, not one that breaks the bank. I think you got Jack Rabbit on what, six, seven million dollars a year on a two year deal. I think you can look to downgrade that number. You look at a corner that you can get for maybe five million dollars a year on a short term deal and you identify a player like that uh, in free agency and bring him in at corner. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have, you could, like I said, you can never have too many corners. Draft somebody in the mid rounds that you can develop, a similar to a Chris Jackson, who was, what was he, a sixth round pick, seventh round pick out of Marshall? Like, find somebody like that that can give you good snaps. And then I think wide receiver too. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Julio Jones, unreliable with the hamstrings. Who knows if he's even back next year? I tend to think he will be back, but there's some potential cap savings there if they don't want to bring him back. And draft somebody early, early, like first round early, I think. This is the position where I want them to draft the first round player. And this is the position I feel most comfortable with addressing via the draft and not through free agency. And and I'll be quick here, but... 
Uh, with the tight end, again, we talked about, I think you need to go get a guy in free agency. Cornerback, I think if you're moving on from Jackrabbit, you need to make a shrewd signing in free agency. Not one that breaks the bank, but you, you look at maybe, uh, I don't know, a, a Charvarius Ward from the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs is someone that would intrigue me, although he might be expensive. Maybe a KC Hayward from the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, he's getting up there in age. I don't think he'll be super, super expensive, right? I think you look at a guy like that, maybe a Levi Wallace, uh, uh, although oh, yeah. I think they, they prefer, you know, bigger corners that can play more press. Levi's a smaller guy. So, but I think, you know, those are the kind of names I'm talking about where you make a shrewd signing. Casey Hayward is someone that would make sense to me potentially, but the receiver position is totally different. This is a position I am very comfortable addressing in the draft for two reasons. You've already got your veterans, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, you know, they're going to be there again. I don't think they'll cut Julio and this conversation maybe changes if they do, but I think you go and get a, a number three receiver. That's got some versatility can play in the slot can play outside can start in the slot for you immediately in 2022. And it would be great if he can maybe one day replace Julio on the outside. If he can't not the end of the world, we're seeing a lot of elite receivers doing their work out of the slot this year. You look at someone like Cooper cup, Cooper cup. Exactly. Right. So if he, if it's a slot only receiver, not the end of the world. Um, but I think that's what you target in this draft. And in addition um, to that point that I just made, it's totally different from the wide receiver position. Rookie receivers are coming in and making an instant impact, right? You look at what I, I, I know Jamar Chase is a special case, but you look at what he did this year. Look at what Justin Jefferson did a year ago. He was drafted around the same slot. The Titans are going to draft him this year. Yep. What, what AJ Brown did immediately as a, a late second rounder, right? The list goes on and on. I, I'm, I'm forgetting 10, 15 names probably over the last three. Debo Samuel, right? The way he's hit was the Marquise ground running. Brown, like, the 26th pick. What was he? 25th what was what? pick. Marquise Brown. I knew Marquise Brown was mid twenties. He was a twenty fifth pick. And somebody... It took him a while to get going. So I don't a little know. bit, but he also had yeah. a quarterback that ran for a thousand yards, didn't throw yes, that many times. For sure. So... And, and Brown had a great year this year. So, but my point right. is, the tight end position is very different than the receiver position. You can get an immediate contributor in this draft if you make and if you make the appropriate pick. And hell, you're gonna have a lot of players to choose from. This yep. class is loaded and. Give me Chris Olave. I like them all. I love Chris Olave. I love Garrett Wilson. I love Jamison Williams. I love Drake London. And I love Traylon Burks. I give me Traylon Burks. (laughs) I real the only the the one that would be last on my list of the first round potentials is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Uh, uh, I I have some questions about his ability to handle a full time role. I wonder if there's some Rondell Moore like. Uh, a skill set there and we saw more still a young player he's dynamic but that's very much a, a, a touch by design uh type right. receiver right and, and i think you need to aim higher than that plus and jay John, dotson's haven't been very good in the nfl exactly and he might Josh. make me look stupid right and i don't hate him <laughs> don't get me wrong but he would be last on my list after the olaves the wilson's the williams the burks the london's like there's so I also many think, receivers here. And I bet at least three of them are going to be on the board when they when they come up to this. For sure. I love John Mechie from Alabama. I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting energetic and I'm talking fast here. And I love John Mechie from Alabama. And you might get him if you trade back. I'd have no problem with getting Mechie in the 30s or 40s. He's probably right. going to be there. So right. Mid-30s. This, this class has got so many receivers and they should get one early. I also think it's shrewd roster construction yes. to get an early round receiver who can contribute. If you get him in the first round, you can lock him in for five years at a, at a yes. very cheap price because you have to extend A.J. Brown for what's probably going to be a $20 million a year contract coming up here either this offseason or next. I would say do it sooner than later. You know, coming off of two injury riddled years where he showed his superstar ability but didn't always stay on the field, get him at a little bit of a discount, sign that extension this offseason 
offseason, free up some cap space by backloading the contract into the years when the cap is going to be skyrocketing. Roster construction-wise, you got a lot of money invested in receiver. You can't go out and pay Allen Robinson $18 million no. a year this offseason. No. you got to draft somebody that you can get on a rookie contract. On top of it, it's a position you address in the first round. What are your, or, or let's say the first round, what are some other positions you may address in the draft? We covered tight end. We haven't covered interior offensive line. I think we'll leave that for another episode because this one's starting to run a little, but yeah. Um, Tight end, interior offensive line. These are positions where you get value later, second round, third round. Heck, if we're talking a guard or center, even the fourth round. Ben Jones was a fourth round pick out of Georgia. The Titans didn't draft him, but he was a fourth round pick. Nate Davis, a third round pick. Roger Saffold, I believe, was a second round pick. Like You get value at these positions later. Tight end, guard, center, especially. Those are the positions they should address later in the draft. Well, and you can get good starting ones, right? Just like you did with Nate Davis. So draft receiver early, draft tight ends and on interior offensive line, in my opinion, on day two. I know you don't have a second round pick right now because of the Julio trade. Whether you get one or don't get one, I think you address those positions later. And I think you can get good quality future and maybe even immediate starters at those positions. Interior offensive line, especially, you can always find a starting guard in round three, in my opinion. So, And I think the Titans need to do that. Looking at the future of the offensive line with the aging group here, this is the year to start restocking with young guys that don't have to play in 2022 that you can get in and develop and learn the offense and become contributors in 2023 2024 i think it's important to remember fans always want the draft to be about the season because you're excited for the new players but like in reality roster construction building wise you're looking at free agency to address your 2022 holes and you're looking at the draft maybe you get one or two impact players for for the 2022 season from the draft but most likely it's to address 2023 and beyond. If you just look at the last couple of years of Titans drafts, that has really played out for this team as well. You got Christian Fulton in the 2019 draft doesn't, or the 2020 draft doesn't really become a player for the Titans until 2021. And he's a great player for the team this year. Your, your only real contributor from the last draft class this year was Elijah Molden. And that's because they kind of, for, he got forced into playing early when, when other guys went down with injury. And, and he was Caleb so pro Farley ready, right? It's a different type of position right. playing the nickel, right? Playing the slot. Like he, he was he was able to step into that but I, I i think we just fixed the tennessee titans i'm telling you i mean go go out and get a tight end in free agency maybe make a shrewd signing at corner if you're cutting jackrabbit and then in the draft you go get wide receivers you go get uh, another tight end you get an interior offensive line and i think those are such important positions to address via the draft and one more point i want to make on drafting a receiver look at the recent crop of free agent receivers it's all backfired uh, the giants paid kenny galladay uh, you had Juju Smith-Schuster. I know he went back, but he didn't do anything. Like, it, it has not been good. Look at receivers that have changed uh, destinations. What did all those New England receivers do? They paid a, a pretty penny to, right? Like, it's it, you do not no, address not. wide receiver via free agency. It has not gone well for teams lately. It really hasn't. Right. I agree. It's not – I mean, it's the an Kenny expensive – The Kenny one sticks out the most, but there are a lot oh, of others. Yeah. It's it's because I think when you get a guy like that in free agency, you have to overpay in order to land them. And then they're never going to live up to what the overpay is. They barely live up to what they should have been paid to begin with. You got new chemistry. They got to learn a new offense. I got to get used to a new quarterback and all the things that come along with that. I think it's rare to see examples of guys changing teams in free agency and 
being superstars right away. So I'm fully on board. I think I think you're right. We definitely fixed the Titans. And I do think that we can talk about interior O-line another episode. That's the, really the last position group that I think needs to be addressed this offseason. And it's not for starters. It's for depth and maybe future starters. Well, we'll see because it does depend on what happens with Roger Saffold, in my opinion, and his contract situation. And, of course, Ben Jones sure. is a free agent. So we'll see what happens there. But I do agree with you. Ideally, for the most part, it's for the future. If you want to get a head start on that interior offensive line conversation, Head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. I recently wrote a great, I'm going to call it a great article. I guess I'll accidentally I'll call it a great article. You call for it you. a great article. So it doesn't make me look like a, a, an asshole that's tooting his own horn. But I recently wrote something on one of my favorite mid-round targets for the Tennessee Titans in this draft. Memphis center slash guard uh, Dylan Parham uh, is a guy that really intrigues me. He's a mid-round target for the Titans. I wrote an article on Broadway sports media discussing the fit, discussing why they might need an interior offensive lineman. I talked about his skill set. I talked about his history. We, we, we analyzed his performance in the senior bowl, uh, talked about his history, playing multiple positions, a lot of good information in that article. You can kind of get a head start on the conversation that Justin uh, and I will have on interior offensive line. Cause a lot of my thoughts are uh, inadvertently in that article. Yeah. Good call there. Head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. That's where you can read find- that article as well. Zach's article and lots of other coverage about the Tennessee Titans. You know that. You listen to this podcast, you know broadwaysportsmedia.com. But we're going to say it every episode anyway, because that's what we do. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Music City Audible. Next week, Justin and I are really going to start looking at some of these pending free agents, free agents to be for the Titans, and deciding should we let them walk or should the Titans try to re-sign them. That'll be a conversation that starts on next week's episode as we gear up for free agency just under a month away from this taping so the nfl cycle moves and moves and moves like the season may be over but the coverage never stops we got free agency then the drafts right behind that then otas are right behind that then we get like maybe three weeks off and then we're in training camp and then we're in preseason and then before you know it the titans are taking the field again for the 2022 season so don't go anywhere music city audible's got you covered all off season long we're not even going to take a week off we're going to take zero weeks off And now we may record multiple podcasts in one night and then release them over the course of a few weeks, but you will get a new episode every week, whether or not my power goes out during our taping night. It doesn't matter. We're getting you new episodes. So Music City Audible, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. We appreciate all the listeners out there. Sorry that we were a day late. Try not to let it happen again. I mean, this is still a Wednesday release, but it's not Wednesday overnight, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning type of deal that you may be used to. So apologies. Thanks to everyone. We will be back next week. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.